Yeah. Well, good evening, church. We are going to First Peter chapter two uh, here in just a moment. Uh, our our topic that we're finishing is to be like, or continuing, should I say, is to be like Jesus. Um, and we're going to move forward in our study. It's great to see you here. Those who are here, and those who are online. Hi. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Our great and gracious and magnificent and mighty. Heavenly Father, we we praise your holy and divine name and are so thankful for the opportunity that you've given to us to study your word, to meet together as your church, to bring glory to your name. And we ask that you will give us understanding, that you would grant to us wisdom and knowledge, and that you'll bless us, Lord God, to have uh, gleaned great um, understanding of your word and to grow because of your blessing. Help us never to forget Jesus, your great son. It's in his name we do pray and thank you. Be thy will. Amen. So First Peter chapter 2, I thought maybe it would be better, although we, we finished off with verse 13, we're going to come back to verse 13 in a moment, but I thought it would be better if we just for a moment did a review to remind ourselves of what it meant when Peter uh, mentioned to us to submit and then he mentions submitting over and over again, but to submit to um, every human institution. And I want to, we're talking about injustice. When How do you handle an injustice? And we're talking about those kinds of things. So let me give you some context, if you will. This is just historical background as a context. So in those days, Christianity, we studied Revelation. In Revelation, we, we looked at uh, the, the times, and Christianity was an illegal religion. You know, because it, it, it proselytized. You're not supposed to go out and convert one from one religion to another. And so if you went out and you did that, it was illegal. And that was part of the persecution uh, of the, the Christian, uh, the Christians in that day. But they, they believed that Christians were very, very evil people. Uh, and they believed that because the, the Christians went against a lot of the Roman, uh, ethics or beliefs. Uh, in fact, uh, in those days, um, the, the Christians wouldn't join the military. And it wasn't um, maybe because for some of the reason people don't join the military today, but it was because of the fact that they had idols as their insignias on on their shoulders. And, and so the Christians said, we won't wear that uniform. You know, not that they wouldn't join the military, but they wouldn't wear that uniform. Uh, and so they they continued in their in their faith. They refused to compromise. Right. So who wouldn't compromise to Rome? If Rome tells you to do something, you just do it. But Christians were like, nope, we are not going to compromise. We are not going to follow your rules. So the Jew, the Christians were viewed as being worse than the Jews because they followed this Jesus who was supposedly their king, but he was, you know, crucified uh, some time ago. So they were known as fanatics because of their enthusiasm. So Rome, the Romans just hated the Christians uh, as far as the Roman government is concerned. Uh, but it was contagious, right? Many people were being converted to Christ, and the church was growing, and it was uh, a beautiful, beautiful thing. And uh, they did not uh, and would not worship the emperor, right? And that was a no-no. You you had to worship. They, we only worship one God. And so for that reason, the Romans, you know, were in this idea of we're going to exterminate. This became the law, uh, if you will. 
maybe it was an unwritten law, but it was a law, that we're going to exterminate Christians. Christianity is a threat to our government. We need to get rid of it. The Roman Empire, they were full of um, hypocrisy in the, in the government. Uh, very, it was a very, very corrupt society. And, and, and she was huge, right? Rome had client kings, and so the client kings, basically Rome would conquer an area, and they would appoint a king, and then they would, they would dictate what that king did, if you will, and then that client king would follow uh, Roman rule to make sure the people followed Roman rule, and they did that all over, and Rome was just, was just massive. In fact, um, Rome was, um, I guess, if it extended from the British Isles to the African desert. I mean, it was just a massive... It seemed like they were invincible and they were everywhere and it would have been a lot easier just to give in. But not the Christians. The Christians realized that God is much bigger than Rome. So they refused to surrender to uh, to Rome. Um, their, their teachers, they taught some form of purity. They call it purity. It, but it wasn't purity. It was immorality, uh, you know, to the highest degree. Um, the Romans would would cast away everything that was good. If it was good and honorable, they just kind of cast it aside. And one of the, um, I guess, emperors you could look at, if you if you wanted to look at just kind of how crazy they were, you know, not Nero who started the persecution and Domitian who brought it back, but like like Caliglia, he was just, I mean, he just off in every, almost in every way. He was a very, he was very, very off. <laughs> you know, I don't even know how else to describe him, but... Um, a very wicked, uh, wicked man in almost every way. And it was very visible. Uh, and so as a result of Rome and it's, uh, her hypocrisy and, and, and domination and evil and wickedness, crime just multiplied. I mean, why wouldn't it? If your leaders are that way, why wouldn't everyone else follow, uh, suit? And they didn't try to hide their wickedness. You know, it was like one of those things that, uh, that was obviously exposed, uh, and so, Christians were seen as this a people of of a burden. They were they were a burdensome people because uh, they wanted um, you know everyone to serve Rome, and so they really inflicted uh, suffering on the poor. And well, guess what? Guess who received the gospel? Um, mostly the poor uh, received the gospel, and so they inflicted a double portion of suffering upon those those poor people. And, and then they were the they were the headquarters for religion, the government Rome. That's why the Roman Catholic Church became so powerful because it's it's Rome basically, right? Um, with with appointed people, if you will. And then you you get into the the, the um, uh, everything about their government and their and their army. The religion of the day was a a mixture of just about everything. But if you were to put it in a nutshell, you might say fear, superstition, and ceremony. If you got those things, you're in good shape. Rome would inflict fear upon the people, and then uh, the religious leaders would uh, would teach a a form of superstition and uh, lots of lots of ceremonial laws. And the worship of the emperor was really really critical. So here, the emperor would dictate a lot when it came to religion, uh, in the fact that everyone had to follow. Or obey him. Domitian himself, so somewhere around 80s, 80, late 80s, 90 uh, AD, uh, he signed his letters, Domitian, the Lord, God. 
and that was also on the front of his, of his, um, I guess his chair, his throne. Now mission, the Lord. And so Christians were asked to sprinkle a little ash, and if you did that on the uh, here on the, at the chair, you were allowed to live, and if you didn't, they would kill you because you are now before the Lord God. And he had what they called in that day a divine throne, right? A divine throne. So humans are, are, are really quick to elevate a man to an amazing status of God, right? And when you do that, you're going to have a whole lot of trouble. Well, listen to what Peter says by way of inspiration in, in 1 Peter 2 and verse 13 to a government as wicked as this government. Verse 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as to one in authority or to governors sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. So, here's this idea of, you know, the question, how in the world are we going to convert Romans when they are as, as wicked and evil as, as they are? There's no way, they're not going to, to listen to us, they're not going to, um, praise us for doing good, for honoring Jesus, and God still says, you do what's right, and by doing what's right, you gotta look at, the picture, the picture is, you're not standing before Domitian's throne. You're standing before the Lord Jesus' throne. Right? And the honor belongs to you. Because even if Rome imprisons you, you are still free in Christ. Right? But don't, don't walk around haughty to, to say, you know, you are not in charge. Only God is in charge. Don't do that because they'll kill you. But rather, just be humble and be in submission in your relationship with even people such as this. So then he says in verse 17, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So, many places in the Old Testament, uh, Cyrus, Darius, Persians, the Medes, would ask the Jewish um, uh, people of the day to pray for them. You know, pray to your God for me and for my family. And it's written in Scripture, and it's pretty interesting. But they honored God. And when you honor God, uh, folks know who you are. This next idea in, in, the, in the realm of, of submission, this is like, um, in verse uh, 18, we're getting to like employer-employee relationships. And so the, the, the word servant here, servants like is like an employee. Like you work for a man or a woman or whomever, a household, and, and these are, the, maybe they're not the best people to work for, but it's a job, right? And, and so in verse 18, he says, servants be submissive to your masters with all respect not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. And that's really important because guess what? Here's something we know as Christians. If you have an unreasonable employer, what can you do? Well, you, you have the power of prayer. Right? God will fix him. You didn't, or her. You don't have to worry about, it. you don't have to worry about it. God's gonna take care of it. You just do your job. 
right? Do it well. Do it as if you're working for the Lord. So you live in a way that is, is right and good. Again, we're at the word submission. All Christians have to learn to submit to not only God, but surrender and submit to each other. We have to recognize what it means to truly be a servant of God. To be like Jesus is submission. Submission is not a weak word. It's a powerful word. It's one of the most powerful words on the earth. For a Christian to be humble, submission, humility, we're coming to humility. But for a Christian to be humble means what? It means you're not doing it, you're giving it to God. And when you give it to God, that's like setting up, I mean, I don't even know what, how to, how to relate that in, into words as to how much power is behind surrendering your life, submitting your life to God, knowing he'll take care of the rest. That's your faith. How many of us believe that? But no, we don't always like to submit. We want to be heard and we want, no, submit and do what? Pray and keep on praying and keep on praying. And amazing things will happen, right? So he says, okay, so you have an unreasonable employer in verse 18, verse 19. He says, this finds favor uh, for the sake of your conscience toward God. A man bears up under sorrows. When suffering unjustly, he bears up. You know, standing up under, to stand up under these trials uh, is, is an amazing act of, of faith. And this faith finds favor with God and how important that is. But Christians, many Christians don't want to do that. I am not going to surrender to my, we have too many issues. There's too much division in the church. The church should be one. Right? And we're all the same. And then everyone submit, surrender to each other. But we don't do that even in the church. We just still just they still got all kinds of issues in the church. And that's wrong. Right? There's going to be a problem on, on Judgment Day with that. To, sur- to surrender, to submit, finds favor in the eyes of God. Look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure, this finds favor with God. So God says, okay, so that the ones who, who, you know, who executed the Lord. I mean, I know Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But they paid a price for that, right? I mean, we all pay a price for the evils that we do. And so it's this idea that in order to submit, right, in order to submit, to surrender means you first have to surrender to God, right? And when you submit and surrender to God, you surrender, as far as the church is concerned, to each other. And as we surrender and submit to each other, we're just, we're just honoring God. And what makes it so beautiful is a lot of times we jump into chapter 3 and, you know, then it talks about a wife submitting to her husband. But if you look at all of what we've been talking about thus far, it's all about surrendering to each other. And this is what brings favor to God. So listen to what he says. Again, uh, chapter 3 now. Again, there are always consequences for those who refuse to submit to God. So here we're surrendering. In the same way, you wise be submissive to your own husbands, so that if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. Now think about this. So here we are. We have a a husband um, who is... Submitting to, you know, the, the government power, if you will, even to domination as bad as he was. You have a husband who is submitting to his boss, even though his boss is inflicting all kinds of uh, evil to him. 
And then you have a husband who is submitting to his wife as a member of the church. Wouldn't that make it easy for her to submit to him as well? Right? Or maybe it's vice versa, and the wife is going to work, and the wife is submitting. But the, the point is, is that everyone is surrendering their lives to God and to each other. And how important is that? Now, notice the consequence there. That, well, the, the con- consequences in verse 7, we'll get there in just a moment. But notice the power of submission and surrendering. The power is taking the principle from verse 1. Here the wife has the power over her husband without saying a word. And so God says that's the same kind of power that we have. That's the principle, right? The principle of, of the idea of submission. When you go back and you look uh, at the word submission or, or surrendering, all the way through the, the Bible, you'll find that having this servitude, if you will, that service-oriented relationship with God exemplifies tremendous power. How do we know that? Sometimes we're forced to surrender. So what is it? First, Second Corinthians 12, Paul, Paul says, um, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So when you voluntarily surrender yourself to, to what, something that may be stronger than you or not, but you surrender to God and allow this situation to be uh, held in the power of God, which is already in his power anyway, you have tremendous power because of the God who has all power. So now he says, he gives an example of Sarah, but, but this, she wins her husband over without saying a word, and this is uh, verse 2, as they observe. So here's this active faith. First Peter chapter 3, verse 2. As they have observed, they're watching you, your, your chaste and respectful behavior. So, so there's something you're doing in this, with this idea of surrendering and submission to, uh, to make them have a guilty conscience or to bother their conscience or to irritate their conscience in some way. That's the inner side. That's the other side that we don't see. But that's what happens in this, this idea of surrendering and submitting. It, 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 it afflicts the conscience of the other people. We've seen it in our own lives. We've seen people rise up and say, hey, this is too bad. This is enough is enough. And because they're tired of it, they don't want to see it any longer. But as Christians, we're submitting and surrendering and, and others are being exposed. Look at verse 3. And let not your adornment uh, be, it's very important when you read this. He's not saying that women can't look pretty. He's not saying that. He's saying, don't let that be who you are. Right? you got to be more than the outside, right? It's, it's, it's a holistic uh, individual. Uh, let not your adornment be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit with the precious, which, which is precious in the sight of God. Going back to that beauty, what's beautiful to God, right? What he made is beautiful, right? He made you beautiful the way you are. So use that beauty is what God is saying. And then verse 5, For in this way, the former times, the holy women also, who hope in God, used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Thus Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children, if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Okay, so he says, look, there's this submission to God. You don't have anything to worry about, right? You have nothing to worry about. Because God says, I'm not only watching, I'm going to punish your husband if he doesn't act right. So verse 7 says, you husbands, 
Likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So this is not on accident that this order came this way. It comes with, I want you to surrender, be like Jesus, right? Because we're going back to chapter 2 again in a moment. Be like Jesus, and to be like Jesus means you have to surrender. Let me give you a few examples. Surrender to the government. Surrender to your employer. Surrender in your marriages. That's being like Jesus. The word is submission. That's the key, to submit under authority of some, wherever the authority is, to submit or to surrender under that authority. So he sums it all up. Chapter 2, chapter 3 is all summed up in verse 8. Verse 8 says, To sum up, let all be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. To be like Jesus. If you want to sum it all up, make sure that everything's about harmony. Right? Doing it God's way brings harmony to any relationship. Peace. It brings peace to any relationship. Will there still be injustice? Yes, there will. But your relationship, your mind, your life is aligned with Jesus. And so, therefore, there is peace in this relationship. And then remember, to be like a Christian, to be like Jesus, to be brotherly, kind-hearted, to show this amazing amount of of sympathy and empathy toward others and to show this amazing amount of uh, love and surrender, submission to your brothers. But you can't do that without what? Humility. Right? When you're haughty, you're, you're opposed to God. Whenever we become haughty, then we, now we have, we're gonna have chaos the rest of our lives. Number one, with God. And then number two, with everybody else. If you start thinking you're better than everyone, well, then everybody starts hating you. And, you you know, you create this this um, relationship of, of arrogance and pride that no one likes. And then you wonder why everybody hates you. And you don't realize it's you. You can't be arrogant and haughty in this life. You have to be submissive and humble. That's what a Christian's life is. Is that weakness? No. It's the power of God exemplified in your life as you surrender to him. So, let all be harmonious and brotherly kind-hearted. And it goes on in verse 9, this humble spirit, verse 9, not returning evil for evil. Be like Jesus. Not returning evil for evil or insult, for insult. What did he just tell us? He just told us about Jesus. That Jesus didn't do this. Right? To be like him. You don't return evil for evil. We do not return insult for insult. When you're driving down the street and, and someone says some obscene things to you, don't shout back at them. Right? Just just drive. Don't give them an evil look. Just drive your car. Right? Don't curse them in the name of Jesus. Just drive your car and do your best. We don't retaliate uh, against uh, people. But instead, what does it say? Bless them. How about that? You want to stay in prayer? Bless all your enemies. Right? Bless them. Instead, 
Bless them. For you were called for this purpose that you might inherit a blessing. So there's a reward or a consequence for the evil doing. And there is a reward or a consequence for good. Doing what God commands of each of us. So verse 10 through 12. For let him who means to love life and see good days refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. And let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears attend to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So this this surrender, First Peter chapter 2, Jesus surrendered and he allowed them. He gave his life. You too surrender. And give your lives, right? That's the idea of what's being taught with the, with, with being like Jesus in 1 Peter uh, chapters 2 and chapter 3. We'll come back. I want to jump over to chapter 5. There has to be humility. So, he continues with submission. He gets into chapter 4 and he talks about this, this fervent love, you know, this, when you love each other, um, you know, what, what real, what true love really really is, and he goes on into that, and, and then in chapter 5, he's right back on submission or subjection, servitude, he's right back into that, and he says in verse 5, you younger men, likewise be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all of your anxiety upon him, because he cares for you. And remember, the author, by way of inspiration, is the same guy who, when they came to take Jesus, pulled his sword out and tried to chop Malchus's head off. But instead he got his ear. Right? You talk about a humbling experience to have to write about. You don't think Peter's thinking about Man, I, I didn't, I didn't, when they came for Jesus, I didn't understand the full plan of God for the destruction of Rome and all that was going on. And I was a hindrance, but, you know, I, I didn't submit, I didn't surrender, even though Jesus wanted me to. And so now God is saying through Peter, don't be like Peter, be like Jesus. <laughs> okay. Look, if you will, at Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. Now, I talked about Rome and in the horrors of Rome. And Jesus spoke, and you can read all of Matthew 23, but you know exactly what it says. Jesus spoke of the horrors of the religious, um, you know, evil and wickedness that was going on in that day. Right? And he, he spoke of the Pharisees and the scribes and the Herodians and all the evil that was going on in their midst. And in, in Matthew 23 and verse 11 he says, but the greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself shall be humbled. And whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. And you could add, you could add in there, by God. Right? Whoever humbles himself to God and the will of God will be exalted by God. But whoever rises himself or raises himself above God will be humbled by God. You Christians, we have to be like Jesus. But that doesn't always feel good, does it? Right? Think about that, you know. I mean, remember we, last week I mentioned when the Romans say carry the cloak one mile 
Jesus says, you happily, you know, carry it too. Well, I'll carry it too. I didn't want to carry it the first mile, right? Jesus says, I want you to go the extra mile of the way. But Lord, it's a Roman soldier. Why would I carry a Roman soldier's cloak when, or, or bag or whatever when he has other soldiers who can carry it for him? Or, I mean, they're so wicked and so evil. And so why would I do that, Jesus says? Because you're surrendering not to the Roman soldier. You're surrendering to me. Be like Jesus. So we began this series with falling in love with Jesus. And now, the one whom we fell in love with, we got to make sure we're like him. And what a huge order. What, What an amazing bar it is that Jesus set for us. And so what does he do? Within, within that, that bar. He, he takes us to John 13. And he, he inspires us. But, you know, what, what a, what an interesting, what an interesting verse. Or, or group of verses. It says beginning in verse 3. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. And that he had come forth from God was going back to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garment and taking a towel, he girded himself about. And then he poured water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. And I wonder, you think about that. You know, as Jesus takes that towel and he does exactly what a servant does, he girds that towel about him. He gets that water ready. And they're looking at him thinking, oh, we're going to, I mean, what are we going to do with this water? And he, and he, and he kneels down and he, you know, so he prostrates himself. He kneels down and he brings the bowl to the first disciple. And he, and he, and he begins to, he takes the feet and he puts the foot inside of the basin and he washes it. Or he, or he dips the water out and washes and they're like, what are you doing? Only servants, slaves do that. You're, you're God. And God says, I want you to learn how to be like me. So God is reminding us in, in this passage, and we'll read the rest of it in just a moment. He's reminding us in this passage of the very fact that every day, God, we call them blessings, but God is serving us, isn't he? Think about it. He's serving us. What do you need? You pray, dear Lord, help me. And God says, I'm here. Dear Lord, save me. And God says, I got you. Dear Lord, be, and we just, we call them blessings, but is it not the God who serves? is also the God who saves. We're supposed to be like him. So continuing, in verse 6, And so he came to Simon Peter, and he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but in a little while you're going to write a book by inspiration, and you're going to have it all figured out. (laughs) Right? You don't get it now, but you will after you've suffered a little bit, right? After you've gone to prison, 
after you've had your spiritual life challenged, after you've realized that really, in reality, you cannot beat Rome. Only God can. And then when you learn to surrender, that's when you'll understand what I'm doing for you, Peter. So, the verse reads, What I do you do not realize now, but you shall understand hereafter. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And then Jesus goes on to explain, you know, we, we don't have to, we don't, no, it's not that I'm washing what's dirty. So I wonder if sometimes in regards to this thought of submission or subjection, do I also need Jesus not only to wash my feet, but to wash my mind as well? Clean all the filth out, right? Get all the dirty out of here. There's so much dirty in the minds of humanity. Not just my feet, Lord. Clear my heart. Because I got to look at, I have to learn to look at people differently. I have to learn to see them the way Jesus sees them. I have to learn to see my circumstances differently. I have to learn to see them the way that God sees them. I have to learn to submit to things I don't even want want to submit to. I have to learn to be like Jesus. So to be like him, he gave a multiplicity of examples. And we're going to be looking at the examples that he gave in his life as as we continue, the, the idea in the beginning of this was just to set up the, the, the platform, if you will, for us to climb on the stage because Christianity is not, is not a, a, you know, a, a religion where you can just sit in the pew. You, you have to be active, right? It takes an active faith, right? So we're not bystanders. We're, we're in the race. We're, we're in, we're in the arena, as Hebrews 12, uh, tells us. Verse 14. Verse 14 says, if I then, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example, for you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, neither is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. So, Who's the master? God. Which one of us are greater than God? None of us. Therefore, every Christian has to surrender. You see how he made sure we understood that with, with clarity, right? And so, and so to be like Jesus, uh, to be like Jesus is to be humble. And how many times have we read Matthew 11, uh, verse 28? We'll go there for just a moment. Verses 28 through verse 30 where, I mean, it, I, I know it says that he's humble, but are we really getting a really clear, accurate picture when he says, no one takes my life because you cannot. I'm giving it to you. I'm literally laying it down. Right? I'm literally laying it down. You, you couldn't take it if you wanted to. 
Verse 28 says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, one of the things about the Scripture that's interesting, and the reason why when we're reading the book of Peter, and we're talking about the, the, the Romans, and the reason why there were more of the people that came to Christ were the um, those who were uh, you know poor, not, not necessarily the rich and wealthy uh, and astute, because they were weary. They were suffering the most. They were heavy laden. And Jesus says, everyone's welcome. But not everyone feels this sense of weariness and, and, and encumbrance in which you need a Savior. And isn't that kind of the, the greatest picture of humanity? How many of us need a Savior? Only the weak people. Right? But the reality is, everyone needs the Savior. Right? The rich, the poor, every class of people, whether you do social class, economics, it doesn't matter how you find the class or form the class, race, it doesn't matter how you form the class, every individual person needs Jesus, needs the Savior, needs to come to our Savior. And he says, if you come, even though you don't realize it, you're hurting just as badly as the poor man. Everyone in this world is hurting. Satan's afflicting everyone, right? It doesn't matter what class you are of people, Satan is afflicting every soul. He's making some a little happier, but he's still afflicting them because there's no real, true good in Satan. None. You know, he gives you that beautiful package and then makes you pay to take it. Right? And sometimes you pay with your soul. And so... Jesus is calling us and calling us and calling us to be like him and to surrender our lives to him. Take my yoke, he says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you shall find rest for your soul. So here's the totality of the Christian life. That the Christian surrenders to Christ, takes the yoke of Jesus. He hears his word. He believes it. He is, he's baptized into Christ. He serves in humility. And he continues until the end. And in the end, he finds, she finds, we find rest for our souls. For my yoke is easy, he says in verse 30. And my load is light. What is he comparing that to? Nero. Claudius, Augustus. You, you think these, because you look at them and you see their, you know, the amount of food they have and, and their servants and, and the power they have. But don't you realize that those men, those men were in, in great fear. Do you know what those men were in great fear of? Their own execution. Because they knew, it was, and you know where it came from? You know this, right? Oftentimes, it was from their wives because they wanted their children to serve as king, right? I'm not saying that it's not a bad mark on women. I'm just saying that's, you know, this bad guy has to go and a better one needs to reign. And this is my, my child. So it wasn't always the enemy afar. It was even the enemy who was close and near. And they had fear in their hearts. Why do you think they had cupbearers? Right? And they were still poisoned. 
over and over and over again. Right? And, and so, no, no one's safe. So while the Christian is, is saying, well, wait a minute, Lord, don't you know that our lives are difficult because the Romans are coming and knocking on doors, they're kicking our doors down, and, the, and the, the Pharisees are sending folks, Paul is coming. Don't you realize how difficult our lives are? And God says, try being the emperor. <laughs> right? you, he can't even enjoy his meal. Right? He, he, I mean, how many cupbearers died in those days? You ought to read that. Read about the cupbearers that died. Right? And just think, it's like, I'm really thirsty, but I'm really afraid to drink that water. <laughs> you know, because someone wants to kill me. Jesus said, it's much easier because we have a clear understanding of the now and the hereafter, and, and they don't, right? And so in the scripture, it says, we do not mourn or grieve as the rest because, because we're going home. And, and what, we're, what we're suffering is because of righteousness sake or because of good, and where they're suffering is because, well, they're evil. Okay, back to Peter. First Peter chapter 3. So, how then should we view um, injustice? Well, we've got to take a look at something. And, and this is what I'm going to start us off with, with for next week. When we view injustice, the first question to ask ourselves is, am I willing to take a look at the injustice in my own heart first? That's where you start. I mean, it's easy to start with them. Right? I mean, I got a whole list of all the things that everybody else in the world has done to me. So how about the things that I've done to other people? See, because that's the mark of a Christian. The mark of a Christian is, is not what people do to you that counts. It's what we do to them. Right? What should we do to them? Serve God, fear God, and stay in submission and be an example, be like Jesus. Have I ever in my life displayed any type, any form of injustice to someone else? First Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust in order that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. I wonder, when we look at the picture of Jesus, he died the just, he being the just, for the unjust, I wonder which one of those two categories do I fit under? Am I the just? Oh, we know that answer. There's only one left. The unjust. So, how do we fix injustice in the world? It begins with you. It begins with me. One person at a time. Right? And so, together, we serve our great and amazing God, and we show the world what it truly means to be like Jesus. Humility is the power in this world that we live in today. So, we'll come back and, and pick this up. Tonight, we're going to have a Devo in just a moment. And if you are, are struggling in your faith and would like prayers made on your behalf, uh, that opportunity will be afforded to you at that time. If you are not a child of God and you would like to surrender to Christ in the waters of baptism, the opportunity is yours. You've believed His Word and are willing to repent. Godly sorrow in your heart. 
and confess his name and be baptized. That opportunity will be yours in just a moment. Thank you tonight for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, and thank you uh, very much for you who are online as well. God bless you.